From Casa Esperanza's National Latina Network, I'm Jose Juan Lara Jr. and welcome to Season 2 of Conversations Over Cafecito. At Casa Esperanza National Latina Network, we understand that visibility and representation matters. And that is why in celebration of Women's History Month, we'll be talking to a diverse group of Latinas who have left their personal mark in the movement to end gender-based violence. They will share life lessons of triumph, knowledge gained, and wisdom earned, and what other Latinas have influenced their lives. Our guest for today's podcast is Patti Tototinsley, CEO of Casa Esperanza National Latina Network. Patti talks to us about the importance of Latina leadership in the movement and gender-based violence, share lessons of being at the helm of a community-based organization that has evolved into one of the premier culturally specific resource centers on family violence, and who have been the Latina women that have influenced her own growth as a leader and what legacy she hopes to leave for the next generation of Latinas and Latinos. So with that, I'd like to welcome Patty. Patty, thank you for taking the time to talk to us and, and having a conversation over Cabecito with us. Thank you, Jose Juan. I'm really privileged to be here. It's such an honor. So before we start, we always like to ask all our guests, how do you drink your cafecito in the morning or in the afternoon or in the evening? Well, I have to admit, I am not a cafecito uh, drinker. I don't drink coffee, but I do love every once in a while a, um, a hot chocolate and or uh, once in a while a cafecito with, with uh, a lot of milk. And um, so that's how I would drink it uh, in the morning if I had it every morning. Awesome. I'm not a coffee drinker either. I prefer uh, hot chocolate. <laughs> but thank you for sharing that. So I'm going to read you a following statement that I found on the womenshistorymonth.gov, which is hosted by the Library of Congress. And basically, it states, during this month, Women's History Month, is about amplifying women's voices to honor the past, inform the present, and inspire the future. The stories we tell deepen our understanding of women's contributions to the world, showing how far women have advanced and how we value equality and the contributions of all. When you hear that statement, as a person, as a Latina woman, as a Latina who has done leadership development, has done mentorship in your work around, particularly around gender-based violence, what do you, what is your reaction to that statement? I have a couple of reactions. One is, it is a beautiful statement, and um, over the years, you know, especially when I have taught leader leadership development, community leadership development. I would say something similar, you know, that this work that we do, that the lives that we lead is about really honoring the past, being active in the present, uh, being, and really, I like the word inspire, and I can't remember, you know, I'll use different words, but it is about really inspiring and preparing for the future, right? And so the... The statement's a great statement. What I would say is that we still have ways to go so that all women really have the opportunity to give of their best, to be engaged, to be listened to, so that we all can do that. We can all honor the past that we feel we want to honor because there are some of our pasts that maybe we want to set aside 
and we honor where what has been helpful to move forward. But it is, it is about everybody having those opportunities to really look at the past and see what's been learned and bring that forward, to inform, to have voice for the, for the present, and then to really be an inspirational to what we can do for the future. And I think there are women today that maybe don't feel that they're part of being able to do just that. So I think the statement's great. I think we all should be working toward that. Along those same lines, I just want to take a step back. When did you start your evolution in this movement to end gender-based violence or just as a Latina in your community trying to mobilize community around these issues around gender-based violence? When did that start for you? Well, for me, the issue of focusing on gender-based violence really wasn't something that was front and center because I think like many women, especially I think women of color, you grow up just dealing with some of these things. You know, things happen to us individually, things happen to our friends, things happen in family, and you just kind of are there to support in the best way possible. And um, I think I didn't really pay as much attention to domestic violence, for example, until I lived in Mexico and I was going to college and I ended up uh, meeting my husband, getting married and living in Mexico for a couple of years. And I think that's when it really, I learned more about the issue and the reality of domestic violence in, in families. And um, so when we came back to Minnesota, I had my husband and my first son with me. I was still in my early 20s, and so at that point, I did started doing a lot of volunteer work in the community, and again, it was focused on community building and organizing and supporting uh, a, a neighborhood organization. So the issue of domestic violence was never front and center, but yet we knew it just happens in families. So I tried to learn more about it on my own, and it really wasn't until I would say the mid-90s. I knew of the organ. I knew of Casa de Esperanza, but I worked in different organizations at the time, including another Latina organization. But it wasn't until the mid '90s that I really became more engaged in the realities of um, violence against Latina women and girls, and then violence against others in the community. And I came to Casa de Esperanza in '92. Was here until '94. Uh, I came in for five months to support as an interim director, and then I stayed two years. And that's really when everything kind of converged. I was able to see how all the work I was doing in community building and community development whether it was around community planning or whether it was around the housing we were trying to address or whether it was around entrepreneurship, there was this reality that domestic violence is living in the community. And so that's when I started to really become more engaged. And I stayed engaged with Casa de Esperanza as kind of a community member that was not on staff when I went into my other positions after that. And I became an independent consultant for a while, doing training on leadership development and working with immigrant and community of color leaders along with mainstream kind of positional leaders on a project called Partners in Leadership. And again, in that whole effort, which I was involved with for about four or five years, across rural Minnesota, um, the issues of gender-based violence were, you know, were front and center, even though it was never a full topic. So how I weaved that in is just, again, trying to look at the realities of 
work community was at so that the leaders, whether they were mainstream positional leaders or community leaders um, that were either immigrant leaders or from communities of color, primarily Latino, we could all look at those realities and not forget that as we move forward in whatever, whatever leadership form we take, that we can't forget the realities of what's going on in our communities and how do we support families in different ways. Um, and I think I just brought that with me when I came back to Casa de Esperanza and continued to learn. I look at, I look at advocates as, as really the champions in this work, you know. Uh, I think we're all advocates if you're in this work, but the women and men who do the day-to-day -day work with our families really are the ones that I think learn the most and that we have to learn from because they are leaders in their own right as well. And talking about your role at the helm of Casa Esperanza, who you've seen grown from being a community-based organization engaging in Latino communities in St. Paul, Minnesota, around these issues around gender-based violence, family violence, and the difficulty around that, and then seeing the evolution of Casa Esperanza going from that community-based organization to now a national organization. What has that been like for you to be present in these different stages of Casa Esperanza? And like you said, bringing into the fold the voices of all these Latina, Latino advocates in their community. So what has that been like for you? Well, I have never been anywhere longer than six years in all of my positions. Now I have worked in community for probably 40 years, right? So that has never changed. But as far as paid positions, about the sixth year in, it's ready to kind of move on and do something new. And I have been at Casa de Esperanza about 17 years this time. And that in itself is quite remarkable because I, I've always felt that at a time someone feels it's ready to move on, and I guess I used to feel that about six years in, uh, that it's time to move on. And I remember when I came back and I told Lupe Serrano, who was the director at the time, I'll come back for a couple of years, Lupe, then you'll find the person you need uh, to take my place. Uh, and she said, well, it's probably not going to happen for a while. And so there have been milestones along the way that I have asked myself, okay, is it time? And I've never answered yes, that it's time to go and try something new. And I really do believe it's because we have been so committed over the years to mission and to values and to the expectations that our community has that we evolve. And as a community-based organization and one that really was committed to community engagement, we listened to where Latinas wanted us to be. That's why we started to advance our work with women and youth and, and community engagement and leadership development. It's why we started to advance to work with boys and, and then with men now. But it's also why we decided many years ago, I would say in 2004 to 2007, we decided that we also had something to offer beyond our community. And we believe that our local community expects, expects us to be there. Well, we also believe that community across the country deserved to have us there too. And that we had learned a lot from the work we had done that it almost felt, I mean, this sounds a little crazy, but it almost felt like an obligation 
that we had a lot to offer and that we also had a lot that we could learn from others across the country. So with that, that really kind of kept me here longer at that time because I was able to do some of that work and I was able to really advance our training and, and technical assistance work with our first federal grant and then beyond that another one after that and so that was kind of my focus nationally and working with other partners in the organization and other leadership we just felt it was time and that we could do more if we were able to really focus on not only our local work not only the training we could do but policy and research so that intrigued me to be part of a leadership team that could make that happen and, and we did. And so as we've evolved over the years, it has kept me trying to look at, so what's my role right now in order to support the local and to support the national team and what's needed in other leadership to ensure that we can continue to be the best that we can. And I will say for any executive director or CEO, that really is within an organization that is going to grow tremendously. There are challenges. Uh, so this has not been an easy road, but it has been fulfilling in so many ways. But it is because there are good people that work within the organization that also provide key leadership. So it's been exciting to see where Casa de Esperanza has grown over the years. It's been exciting to see the impact we've had and I think we have more that we can do with more support, with teaming with community in different ways on the local end and on our national work. To me, it's all connected, and I still think we have some great things that we can do, and I'd like to do the best I can to support that. I want to note a couple of words that you said that kind of struck a chord with me. Um, you said in evolving from a local community-based organization to a national organization, you said the word obligation. You felt like it was an obligation to share in the knowledge and the wealth, not, not only what GASA has developed, but also what other folks in other parts of the country are doing, specifically to Latino communities, but also cross-cultural communities. So I want to ask you this question, because I think it goes back to what I mentioned earlier in the introduction about visibility and representation mattering. What's the importance of recognizing, in this case, Latina women as part of Women's History Month? Well, to me, we don't have to look far, I think, to see the presence of Latinas as Latinas. And we don't have to look far. We know that there have been women who paved the paths before us, and there are young women today that are already the leaders as young women, and they will be there in the future to take, take the helm, you know, to really pave new paths. So we as individuals don't have to look hard to try to lift up and honor. Again, it's about honoring and embracing everybody who has allowed me, allowed us, to move forward. So, but I think in general, Latinas aren't always lifted up. They're not always seen by others. They're not always looked at as, oh, geez, we need to have so-and-so, or I've heard about this Latina leader that's out there. Um, I don't think we're always recognized enough. And so in Women's History Month, it's an opportunity for us to influence others 
as far as the leadership that Latinas have, we have not had the opportunities as a community to really advance as much as we want in certain areas. That does not mean that the leadership is not there, however. And that's where I think it's up to all of us to continue to influence others about the leadership of Latinas, and it's up to us to continue to bring up the leadership of young Latinas who are remarkable and amazing. If I just look at the young Latino students and um, the young Latinas that are involved in our programming, they're amazing, and the more that we can put them front and center where they feel comfortable and then continue to push them a little bit so that they are seen as leaders of today and tomorrow. And speaking of leaders of today and tomorrow, certainly we, and you mentioned this, we all walk upon the footprints of others um, that have come before us and also ahead of us. Who are those Latinas that have influenced your life in the work that you do? Who have been those Latinas that have inspired you to still do what you do and get up every morning and say, today's the day, today's the day? I would say there's a number of Latinas. One, uh, you know, and this lots of women will say, but I, I will say it as well, it's my mom. My mother wasn't, wasn't always an activist, but I realized she was a community leader. And I realized about the time I was in my pre-teens maybe, that suddenly she was working in a community organization in our neighborhood, and she was volunteering on the local community residence board. And I didn't know exactly what the full impact of that was until I got a little bit older and realized she had a lot of influence you know, in our community. And later on, as I was involved in that same neighborhood community residence organization, there were people who used to talk about my mom and the things that she would do. And my mom was one who always said, this isn't easy. You know, being in community and being visible is not easy. And as I was older, there would be some tough things that were going on in neighborhood development and community leadership work. And this was not my paid work. This was my community life work, you know. And I would take, some, take on some leadership. I was president of this local neighborhood group. And that really was representing the whole neighborhood as far as zoning and city uh, development, or neighborhood development, and working with the city, et cetera. We were going through some crises, and I think in the neighborhood around housing. And I remember talking to my mom, and I said something like, oh, God, this stuff is so hard. And she said, well, no one ever said it was easy. And you have to remember why you're doing this. You know, is it just for you? Because if it's just for you, you can step out anytime, honey. It doesn't matter. Is it for your family? And she goes, and that's a good reason to be doing this. But it's got to be bigger than that, too. Because if it's for your family, you can go and do other things that are going to benefit the family. Is it really about comunidad, you know? And if it's about community, then, then you know, you have more to give. So she always influenced me um, throughout my whole life. Um, and she still influences me, even though she's not physically here. Another person is Lupe Serrano. And Lupe Serrano was a visionary, I think, her whole life. And she became the director of Casa de Esperanza about 1999 or so. And she had been involved with Casa de Esperanza over the years, although was not a founder and was not a formal director. She had done interim roles while they were hiring someone. 
But it wasn't until late 90s where she actually stepped in. She was hired as the executive director. And it is really Lupe's vision that launched Casa de Esperanza forward as a community engagement focused local organization that was ready to move into national leadership and become a national organization. She has influenced me over the years tremendously as a wise Latina leader who grew up in the same neighborhood that I grew up in, whose family was embedded in community as my family was, and who really, I think, was the epitome of what it means to have a mission, you know, to be connected with organization, but also with community. And she has influenced me greatly. Again, someone who still influences me over the years. And then there have been others that have been influential in my life. Some have been non-Latinas, but very community-based and women of color. And, and so I look at who has been there over my life. My mother-in-law, who lives in Mexico, is in her 90s now. And when I first met her, I thought, there, I, don't, I can't believe there would be other women like her coming and living in poverty. But the most entrepreneurial woman I have still ever met in my lifetime. And so I learned from her a lot about being an entrepreneur and what it means to save money, buy an animal. She used to buy an animal grow the animal, in the meantime, you know, selling vegetables. When the animal was big enough to sell, she'd sell the animal and buy a lot. Then she continued to sell vegetables and buy another animal, grow the animal. And so over the years, she gave, she and my father-in-law gave a plot of land to all of her 13 children. And this is a family that if you met them, you would think, well, this is a nice, you know, very low-income family, and they've sustained themselves over the years. Well, this is a woman that I realized had so much to give in life, and uh, I learned a lot from her. So I would say those are three of the women that have influenced me greatly. And we all know that life is about hindsight, I think. And at least I believe that, and it's about lessons learned and so on. What do you want your legacy to be? And looking back in your trajectory and moving forward, what is it that you want? When people look back and, and think about Patty, this is who Patty is, what, it, what does that legacy look like for you? I would love that legacy to include the fact that I was a great mom and a great grandmother. Now that I have a grandchild, part of what I work towards and I believe live toward is the fact that I want this world to be a better place for her. She's a beautiful young little girl. She's two and a half years old. And she's so smart and so bright and so inquisitive that I think, wow, you know, all the challenges that we have in this world and even in our local communities, but certainly in our country and in our communities, I, I want her to experience the best growing up. I want her to feel like... As a girl, she has equal treatment where she expects it. I want her to be able to do everything she can do. So I'd like her to believe that my life's work helped her life be a little better. I want her to grow up strong and be able to recognize what she should be able to expect of a partner, what she should be able to expect for herself. And uh, 
So that's part of what I believe today may be a little bit different than four or five years ago as far as a grandchild because it gives you a new kind of look. You see the world through smaller, beautiful eyes. I would like uh, it to be said that I tried the best I could to be the best community leader because for me, you know, there is a phrase I use uh, in our training when we do our, our community leadership training. And the definition for community leadership is community leadership is using what we have to work with others in building and supporting healthy communities. So then I describe what we have, we have our voice, we have our skills, we have our talents, we have our resources, we have our networks. It's using everything we have. We have our education, whatever that is. But it's working on behalf of building and supporting healthy communities. That's a different definition than just a leadership definition because Leadership is about still using what you have to lead, influence, and, and support others. When we're putting that toward building and working and supporting community leadership, then I think there's a higher expectation on someone. And I would like it to have been said that I really believed in and lived out what community leadership means. And to me, that would then cross over between my work life, my personal life, my community life. And I think that is that is important to me. If I've been able to do that, then I've always looked at what's best for the organization, for our community. And so that's, I guess, what I'd love my legacy to be. And in that spirit of sharing knowledge and wisdom, and, we're, and as we get closer to our time in our podcast and our interview with you, Patty, what, what are some of those last words of knowledge and wisdom you'd like to share with those Latinas that are out there listening to you perhaps being inspired by your words, by your own trajectory of, of leadership, now mentorship. Um, what are those words of wisdom you'd like to share? First of all, we all have something to give. We all have lots within us that sometimes we don't recognize. So part of what I'd like to say is don't be afraid to ask others. Don't be afraid to ask others who you admire for wisdom, for insight, for reflection, what do they see in you? Because sometimes we don't always see it in ourselves. I would say be with people who really believe and support you so that if you don't have that in your workplace right now, where do you find it outside of your workplace? And how do you build it in your workplace? If you can be that for someone else, then maybe they can be that for you too. So it is about um, not being afraid to ask for what you need, it's about finding those that can support you. Everybody needs a support network. And that's what we ought to be doing for others, is helping them build a support network. Well, then how do we do that for ourselves? So find your support network, whether that's two people or eight people. Whatever that you need, you need to have that in place. And so build toward that. The other thing is always strive to learn something new. Because the more we learn, the better resource we are for others. And I am one that really believes that we can never learn too much. But learn in areas that you have some interest in and in areas that challenge you. Because sometimes it's those things that challenge us that we're most afraid of taking that leap forward. 
And I'll tell you, when you take that leap forward, you break through a barrier that is one more step toward nobody's ever going to stop you from doing what you need and what you want to do. So those are just a few things that come to mind. And on that note, Patty, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to share some of your, some of your history, your experiences. Um, I've certainly learned a lot more about you today. Um, so once again, thank you for, for your time. This has been another episode of Conversations Over a Cafecito. Brought to you by the National Latina Network for Healthy Families and Communities, a project of Casa de Esperanza. For more information, visit nationallatinanetwork.org. This podcast was produced by the National Latina Network team. Tech support provided by Marissa Kurtz and Shea Nightholt. Communications and marketing by Rebecca De Leon with music by Joey Horton. And your host, Jose Juan Lara Jr. Thanks for listening. Hasta la próxima.